Hey, welcome to Homebound Veterans Season 4, Episode 13. I am Keith. And I'm Laura. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, we're releasing it July of 2021. We've been watching the Olympics. I love it. I'm so glad that the Olympics are going, and I'm so sad that... There aren't spectators there that get to be a part of the culture of Japan, even for this little bit, because it's an amazing place. It is. We've been there a couple times. I have a couple sports that I love to watch. I love soccer, especially in the Olympics. I typically don't watch it outside the Olympics or the World Cup, but I love watching Olympic soccer. Uh, volleyball, of course. We're a volleyball family. Handball? I don't know. I'm starting to get used to it. It was interesting. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. It's like, are there rules? Yes, there's rules. I don't Sometimes know. the whistle blew and the ball turned over and we had no idea why. <laughs> and then, conversely, water polo, the whistle's blowing all the time. All the, the time. the play is continuing. It, it I don't know. Going. I'm not sure what the whistles mean. <laughs> anyway, we it's hope you're enjoying the Olympics. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? Made the best team win. Yeah. Hey, in this episode, we got to sit down with Stu Grazier, uh, who is a part owner of a company called Storehouse 310 Ventures. He's also an active duty Navy pilot. Uh, he began his organization with the hopes of helping his family and himself through the transition out of service and into uh, civilian life by creating um, a financially free situation. Yeah, and he, he's building he this. It. He's building this uh, organization with a very good friend of his, who's also in the military, David Gutierrez. And they're sharing all of their information, and they are partnering with other veterans who want the same kind of stress-free transition as far as finances are concerned. And they are doing well, which is so good to hear. You're gonna you're gonna get to hear all this information so we're not going to spoil it for you one really cool thing about what they're doing is they are trying to give away so much money the dollar figure that Stu throws out in this podcast is kind of mind-blowing so that's a little teaser enjoy stay tuned for Stu Stu you know it was you and I have a similar career path in military. You you uh, you flew active duty. You went to FTS. I, I went um, to Civilant at first, and then went to uh, the reserves. Uh, you went to FTS and, and then to the yeah. reserves, right? Oh, no, you're I'm still, still FTS. FTS. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the uh, the XO of the uh, the NOSC in oh, Denver. Right on. You told me that, and um, and I totally blank. So which is which is. Again, why I needed a sister going up uh, may have saved some concussions and and uh, maybe it was because of yeah. the concussions. You can't remember the thing. So. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, if I had had a sister, yeah. I'd have a better memory. Um, yeah. So even that transition from from active duty to FTS is is certainly a, a, a shift, right? Um, and yeah, if you don't mind just walking us through that transition, the decision to leave active duty to go FTS and then, you know, even to, to stay in at all, like how that thought process went for you and kind of share that experience with us a little more. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was at a, a point, I was at kind of the, the 10 year mark and, and I could, you know, do a couple of different routes. I could continue active duty. Uh, stay on the path um, that they kind of lead you down, you know, the, the career path, if you will. And that was going to be going to a, a ship and doing, um, you know, a, a disassociated sea tour and, and, you know, playing that game for a while. Um, you know, cause I was, I was on the path. I was, you know, I was a helicopter pilot and then I went and was a, a flight instructor. Um, and then, you know, the path next is going to a ship. Um, and I was recently married uh, two years before that, I, I checked in to be an instructor, and they said, "Welcome to the command. Uh, here's your individual augmentation. You're going over to Iraq uh, and playing army for for a year or for 14 months." And uh, so I was deployed uh, for 14 months. Some of that was stateside, going to schools, learning how to play army. Uh, I went to a civil affairs battalion uh, schooling for a while in Fort Bragg. Um, and then went to, over to Iraq for, for uh, 10 months uh, in country. And uh, f- to me, like, that was, that, it, it was, I mean, it was, I guess, a good experience overall. I can, I'm, I'm blessed to 
come out of it and uh, with all you know unscathed, if you will. Uh, but uh, I, I just was married, and um, so my wife uh, was was living back in San Diego uh, with some roommates of mine, and I mean, it was we literally like got married, and then I left about mm. two months later, and so you know the first you know year and a half uh, of us being married, uh, I was deployed, and and I saw like the future of that yeah. continuing, and and you know we were we were trying to. Uh, start having children and um going down that path and we had a dog at the time we were talking about dogs a little bit earlier and and you know i i miss my dog i miss my wife and and you know just thinking through that um i didn't want to go down the path of being deployed all the time and being gone when we started having children um so i didn't know really what to do um and some of my friends were had done the transition to full-time support which is officially in the reserve capacity, you're getting paid by the reserves, but uh, you're still active duty. And, uh, it was enticing to me because even though you would kind of deploy a little bit, you weren't gone for six, eight, nine months at a time. And I thought that that was way more manageable to do as we started to kind of build out our family. Um, and so I started looking to that and, and that's what I ultimately decided to do was, um, you know, I still, I still love to serve. I still, uh, love being a part of the military. I love uh, the camaraderie with it. I love the the leadership opportunities, um, and you know I, I really like the idea of doing a full twenty years and, and getting a retirement out of it. Um, but I just didn't want to be gone from my family all the time, and so for me, FTS was was a good route. And how long have you been in the FTS now? Uh, eight and a half years. So total, I've been in eighteen and a half so years. So is twenty the so. the end point? Yeah, twenties twenties the mark for me. So we'll we'll, we'll call okay. it quits there. How are you preparing yeah. for that transition? Uh, so building this business that I've started with uh, with my you know my best friend. Uh, we were college roommates for four years, and um, we uh, we have always wanted to. And we we always talked about you know doing something together after we got out of the navy, and um, so we started a business together in real estate uh, about two and a half years ago. And so we've just been really working hard on kind of building that thing out and trying to have uh, a really steady business and solid stream of income uh, already set in place and in motion by the time we get out so we can make that transition just mm-hmm. that much easier mm-hmm. for us. Smart. Yeah. I, Stu, I, I wonder, I mean, you've, you've been in this FTS capacity for eight and a half years and then, you know, you spent 10 years active duty. So you understand both sides really well. Um, and because you're FTS, you deal with cell res uh, sailors also. And um, I'm, I'm curious, like if if uh, if a young sailor was to come to you at that point where they were they were looking to get out of the military and they were to come to you and say, hey, uh, I'm not sure if I should just cut ties completely or maybe FTS or cell res. I have no idea. Like what advice would you give them at that point? Yeah, that's a hard question, and I think and I think it's uh, a little bit dependent on the individual. Um, you know, I would say that completely cutting ties with no plan is probably a bad plan, um, because you know I, I I know of a lot of individuals, you know, close people to me that uh, just even doing that transition from twenty years of active service over to uh, the next stage of their life, and if if they haven't planned for that ahead of time. It's a really hard yeah. transition, um, and uh, they find themselves losing all those things that I talked about. You know, the, the camaraderie and uh, the mission and the purpose. And if there's nothing kind of already established, uh, it makes it really difficult. And and I haven't even really totally been through it yet, but I've seen others that have, and it was tough for them. Um, and so, you know, my advice to them if they're asking that question is, well, what what's your plan? Like, what else do you have going on? Um, you know, if, if they're like, I'm done with the military, I'm out. Um, you know, let's talk about like, what things can you do to prepare? You know, what type of certificates or schooling or education, um, some type of business that you can kind of set yourself up for before you just cut ties completely and you don't have anything. Um, and, and reservists might be the way to go, you know, just, just to ease you into that transition to civilian life. Yeah. I know for Laura and I, like one of my biggest surprises 
was the cost of health care. Um, and, you know, the reserves actually, like I had a four-year break in service once I went back into the reserves, it, like being able to to get TRICARE for for health benefits for our family. I mean, it, it was like a fourth of the cost of our program, you know, my civilian job. Uh, it was a huge expense that I had zero expectation of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, cell res, uh, you know, FTS, like either of those might be a very good option if, if they're, people don't plan. And, and, you know, I, man, I thought I did plan. And that's the funny thing. Like if you were to, if, if I was asked that question to you or you were to say, Hey, Keith, are you ready to, to transition out of active duty? I'd been like, totally got my ducks in a row. <laughs> in fact, we had that conversation because I was like, I, sure like <laughs> you have such a high yeah. specialized skill I, it seems funny to walk away nope I'm gonna walk away I'm yeah I, well I was in the camp of like I'm done you know I'm just done I don't want to deploy anymore you know I was tired of that and and um you know I, I missed my daughter's birth I like all those things right and being in the military is some sacrifices and and I was at the point where I wasn't willing to make those sacrifices anymore so you know, the question I asked you was, like, I had thought I was ready. And so I think it's one thing coming out of this little dialogue here that we're having is it's so important to have a, a sounding board for, you know, to ask tough questions for that for that transition. Because if, you know, if, if I had asked somebody like you that question, I probably would have understood I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 a great piece of advice is. You know, have have someone that you can go to, a mentor, a leader within your space. And it doesn't even have to be a military leader. You know, it could be someone within your community, your church, um, you know, anyone that, that you can kind of just bounce ideas off of and be a good sounding board. That's a great, great uh, piece of advice. Yeah. And listen to the advice. <laughs> Listen to the advice. Yes. Wait, so it was funny because Laura did recommend that I that I talk to a career counselor or a uh, career coach, coach. Mm-hmm. and I was like, "Don't need it. I'm all good." And then I eventually, like four years later, I ended up talking to a career coach. <gasps> yeah. And uh, two jobs in, he's like, mm, yeah. "Okay, maybe I don't know." <laughs> yeah. But we were all going through it, right? Like our whole family was figuring out this transition piece too. So, so you, I, I mean, you're preparing for. Uh, a transition, um, and you're obviously doing a, a good job of this preparation because you're, you're finding a um, uh, you've started business with uh, with a longtime friend, and you guys are taking time to actually build it correctly. Uh, you've got employment currently, so but I, I'd love to to understand a little more how Storehouse Three Hundred and Ten came to be, mm-hmm. and and why it's important for you to build it the way you're building it. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, so. David and I have both been kind of real estate interested in real estate for a long time. We've both been, uh, you know, kind of dabbling in it um, as kind of like a side hustle, if you will. Um, we've bought rental properties. I've tried to flip some properties. I've done some private lending, and so I've kind of just always been doing it on the side a little bit, um, just to kind of create another uh, stream of income for for my family and I. Um, and, uh, David's similar story. Um, and you know, as, as we started kind of talking about what's next for them, David was very close to getting out himself. Um, and he didn't really know what he wanted to do. And he ultimately decided to stay in and he's now the commanding officer of a, uh, a cryptology of a, uh, Intel unit, um, in, in Maryland. And, um, you know, we, we'd always just talked about going into business together and, um, how, how what we were going to do for the transition and and the the sooner we could kind of start preparing for that the better so uh we had both had similar experiences with uh, some real estate ventures uh going poorly um with different companies that we had invested with and we started kind of just comparing notes and you know we both started talking like saying to each other you know what we both know how to do this and we both know the right way to do it and you know create this business, um, the, the strategy of, of turnkey investing. And so to back up a little bit, you know, our business is, uh, offering turnkey real estate, turnkey rental properties to investors, which really means, um, we, we buy a house that needs a lot of work. We repair it. We fix it up, make it really nice. We turn it over to a rental or a property management company. They get a renter in place and then we sell that kind of as like a turnkey package type deal 
uh, fully rehabbed house, rented property management in place, and it's you know so-called turnkey turnkey cash flowing from day one, no problems, you know nothing, and it gets marketed that way from a lot of different companies, and it doesn't end up turning out that way for for a lot of different uh, people, and so we wanted to make that a great strategy for people like us in the military who do have some capital who do want to invest and create passive income for themselves. Um, but, you know, put integrity and honesty and transparency and, you know, always be upfront with our investors and always be there to support them and have, you know, people in place that can help them for when they deploy to Iraq and they can't handle something going on in their house on their own. And that's what really that's about. Um, and, you know, we love the idea and the strategy, but we just wanted to make at a good company and then we kind of wanted to put our faith and our christian background in it as well um and that's kind of where the name came from um storehouse 310 comes from malachi 310 in the bible which talks about giving a tithe to the storehouse and so we kind of just combine the two and our business model is we wanted to give the first 10 percent of all of our profits back to um, a charitable organization um, and uh, we had focused primarily on giving back to veteran military causes. Um, and uh, we found a, an organization called uh, Warriors Heart Foundation. And we connected with them. And, um, you know, we had lots of reasons to go with them. Um, and I can go into that if you want. But um, we had some friends commit suicide. We've had some shipmates, close people commit suicide. And so we, it was close to us um, really kind of pulling on our heartstrings of finding an organization that we could tie into and support and uh so and that's what we did um we've we built a company out um with really business goals of giving and tithing versus like the bottom line for for our business um we're, i mean right now we don't have to but we're not taking any money from the company we're just trying to build this thing so we can you know give and serve and help people get into you know real estate so it's kind of the underlying principle of it all it's powerful. I, I teach in the School of Business at a university, and uh, so we have lots of students that uh, set off or have, you know, I want to go to school on it so I can learn how to start my own business. And as you're talking, I'm thinking of all the surprises and obstacles that you've completely, you know, underestimated. But, you know, so if, if you could share a little bit about, you know, what, what has surprised you through this process? Yeah, well, uh, first, first, first thing is, not everyone has the same uh, uh, core values that we do that uh, <laughs> that we've Especially worked in, with in, in business. Real estate, I imagine too, right? Yeah, and and so we've we've kind of had to deal with some of that along the way. You know, um, we we have tried really hard to put uh, people on our team that have those same core values, that have the same belief system, um, but it hasn't always worked out. And you know there have been there have been contractors uh, that we've worked with that uh, you know we had to fire and um, you know have some uh, not arguments but uh, disagreements on and their their core values didn't align. Uh, we've you know dealt with uh, companies and you know different different people and organizations that uh, that you would think uh, have similar uh, values, but. Uh, you know, for some, it's it really is all about just the bottom line, and they'll do anything to make a profit. And for us, that hasn't been the case. And so that's been challenging for us um, because, you know, in the military, most people that we work with on a daily basis have those same core values, those same, you know, integrity, honesty, um, and, you know, put that at the forefront of anything. And that's just not the case in the civilian world. And, and I'm not hitting on the civilian world but you know we we've had we've had some challenges with that what what has surprised you about how your values uh, as an organization so i here's i'm going to rephrase this how have the values cost you business strategy does that make sense like you you are you're choosing value over sort of everything else the values of your organization what's the cost of that not financial, uh, not only financial, so we, by the way, but cost in the bigger. Yeah, thing. I mean, so, yeah, so I guess um, cost financially, I mean, we've absolutely lost money 
on on real estate transactions uh, because we have chosen to do what's right over um, you know skipping out on something you know and, and uh, I can just give you one one easy example is you know this the, the turnkey idea is you're selling a house that's completely rehabbed no problems you know no, nothing gonna come up and it's a very vague gray line and that's ultimately our our decision on what we need to rehab versus what we don't rehab and um, you know there are major systems on a house and uh, an example of, of one house that we sold was we decided not to put a new roof on a house and you know our kind of uh, I guess business model is if anything happens within the first year of them owning it we'll we'll help them out and you know kind of fix it or replace whatever was needed to be done well one individual owned the house has owned the house for like two years now and recently found out that his roof was leaking and there was some issues with the roof and come to find out we probably should have replaced it and we decided not to when we were rehabbing it so the right thing to do is to go to the investor and be like you know what we messed up we're going to replace the roof and that's a five six thousand dollar cost to us um, which we did and we we decided to um, you know replace the roof and and do what was right um, many companies wouldn't ever do that because you know ultimately uh you know it wasn't within the year window and it um you know it it was outside of their you know quote unquote guarantee so um you know from from an expense and financial standpoint like we we do that a lot like we you know there's um and uh you know not more from a cost perspective but really from a business perspective honestly that's been beneficial to us because that word gets out and yeah if, and if so if you're always doing the right thing no matter what um, people start to talk and they refer friends and they tell people and um, you know we we now have a name of you know being an honest company that will always do what's right and that's been beneficial to us uh, we we now have a two-year waiting list for properties and um, so, you know, it, it's obviously yeah. working. Yeah, congrats. Uh, we just we just have to maintain. Yeah, thanks. You so. shared a little bit of, of you know the experience, uh, this business experience, and how it has um, not really aligned with your experience with the military. How in in you know how is this running your own business? How does it align with your mm. experience in the military? Mm. Um, so you know, I, I would say. One thing that, that we learned very early on in the military is is just how to uh, adapt and, and kind of learn as you go. Um, and, and I would say that that is uh, something that you need in, in business. You know, um, there, there's so many things in the business world that, that I don't know. Um, but what I do know how to do is figure out who to go to to find help or how do you adapt and overcome and how do you be flexible and how do you as a leader in an organization uh, find the right people that that you can you know use um, and and you know uh, do business with and so uh, to me I, I think military in general um, have have a, an advantage when they're starting and going into business as entrepreneurs because you've already been doing that you know you've already been you know how many times have we like gone into a, a new job a new command and they're like all right you are x officer and you're like uh i have no idea how to do that right uh i have i have no idea how to be the, the maintenance officer or the quality assurance officer like so you have to figure it out right and you have to use the people that are experts um, and lead them and that's the same in business. And so, you know, I think that transcribes really well um, as, as you're leaving the service. So, yeah. I do, as you say that, though, it's kind of funny because I would imagine that, you know, in the military, when even though you may be the quality assurance officer, you know nothing and you have a chief that knows everything, you know, they're a subject matter expert. And yet you're still in charge, right? And if if you say something, that chief is most likely going to be like, well, sir, I disagree, but okay, roger that. And they're going to go do it. Whereas the business world, you don't necessarily have that ultimate authority, right? So so how do you, how do you deal with situations like that? Well, I mean, 
Yeah, I, th I think it depends. Um, yes and no. I mean, as as the owner of, of our company, we, we do have ultimate say. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our team, we absolutely like talk through it with them. And I mean, I, I'm not the expert on uh, rehab in a house, but my contractor is. Um, and if my contractor is saying one thing and I just really think that we should go this way or, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's our company, it's our business, it's our, uh, risk at stake, you know, our money at stake, our investors money at stake. So ultimately it is still my responsibility and decision. Um, so I, I think some of that does transcribe well. Um, if, if you're in a, a bigger organization, maybe not. Um, but as an entrepreneur and as the, as the owner of a company, I, I still think that exists. We've interviewed a couple vets who have, um, you know, ventured off and building their own businesses. And when you look at the stats, actually, it's quite interesting to see how many vets. Um, there's quite a few, actually, um, of vets that start their own business. Uh, and I think you touched on a little bit as to you know why um, earlier is that you, you can you can deal with the unknown pretty well um, in high stakes situations you can deal with you know calmness and and articulation and objectivity but there's an element in there that's also interesting that you kind of touched on as well is like being able to stomach disaster right um, like something not working out. Uh, there's a level of courage in there um, as well. So when and how how did you decide to take this step of like, I don't know how it's going to work out, but we're going to invest our time and resources into this? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, uh, again, similar to having some advantage coming from the military, um, especially like as, you know, as a pilot, you, you know, there, there are times where you have to make a quick decision. Like you're either going left or you're going right, right? You're either going to land or you're mm. going to keep on going. And, um, it might not be the right answer, but you got to take, <laughs> you, you got to go, which you, you got to make it, you got to make, make it work. You got to make it to work. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's similar in business and, you know, you just kind of get used to making those decisions, um, right or wrong, uh, you know, make a turn and, and then counter turn to kind of get you going in the right direction. Um, and, and I think that like, you just get so used to that over time and used to being able to make those decisions that could be risky. Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, Ultimately, that's that's why I think you know military are great mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Is they have that skill set that they've been practicing for quite some time. Um, you know, there's always it's always a calculated decision. You always have to kind of think about uh, you know what's going to work out best yeah. and what's not. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know. So why not go work for somebody else? I've, I've been doing <laughs> that for almost twenty years. I, I'm, re I'm ready to kind of be on my own. It, honestly, it, it's uh, for me. It's it's uh, it's the freedom, you know. Um, I want to uh, be able to work when I want to work and not work when I don't have to. I want to go to my my kids' sporting events and kids' school events and not be gone all the time. And uh, you know, so I, I uh, you know, a lot of my friends go the airlines route, and and I know Keith, you probably have a lot of airline yeah. friends, and and nothing against the airlines whatsoever, but. Um, I could probably easily go get an airline job with, you know, Boeing 737 typewriting, typewriting, but honestly, I just don't want to be gone from my family. Like, I don't want to miss a single moment of my children's life. And, um, you know, I can do that if I'm my own boss, you know, I, I can do that when I own my own business and run it. And I can take off on a Wednesday at 2 PM to go watch my kids play at school, you know? Um, if I was working for some big fortune 500 company, nine to five job as a middle manager, probably couldn't yeah. do that. So that's, that for me is it's, it's the freedom, you know, to be able to kind of do what I want to and be a part of my family's lives whenever I want. Yeah. I think your, your situation with, with David is unique because you're not geographically co-located and you're starting a, a business that is not necessarily in your backyard operating in your backyard either right so 
the, so I mean, this is like the trifecta. You're making it work. Um, I, I'm also interested in this, like you're talking about the skill sets that, that translate from the military uh, experience into the civilian, especially being an entrepreneur or entrepreneur, as, as you know, people like to call it. But uh, how important has it been um, for you and David to do like after action reviews. And the reason I ask is we interviewed a gentleman uh, years, a few months ago who had started his own company. And he said the first five years were so hectic and so busy that he had started this company because he wanted to create a culture that he was proud of. And after the first five years, the culture was in shambles and his company was, the doors were open, but it was barely thriving. And, um, and he realized that, you know, like he hadn't been purposeful in, actually creating the business, right? He had created the nuts and bolts of it, of it operating, but even that was, was kind of held together with some tape. So, so the after action review is one piece of it, but what, what have you and David found to be vital to the success of your organization so far? And then going forward, how do you guys see that, that expanding? Yeah, man, that's, that's a great question. So, um, we were very intentional early on, um, when we were starting to have conversations about starting this business and we knew that, um, as you know, active duty military in leadership type positions with kids and a family, um, and building out this business, it was going to be a challenge. And it's, I'm not gonna lie. It is a challenge. Like I wake up at 4am every single morning and work on my business from 4am to, you know, 6:37am before I go play Navy for, you know, all day long. And then I come home and hang out with my family and get them do family time and get them to bed and then go right back to work if if I can keep my <laughs> eyelids open. And um so, you know, it's a challenge for sure, but I, I think, you know, some of the some of the things that we talked about early on was we have to create systems and procedures that we can duplicate over and over and over again. And we have to put processes in place um, and make it as easy as possible for our team. And you know what we did was we started kind of surrounding ourselves with people that are already doing it, and kind of getting into those um, you know spheres of influence. Uh, we we uh, recently joined a pretty high level mastermind group, um, and it it costs a significant amount of money, but but we saw that as as really uh, an opportunity to to better ourselves and to better our business and find out what they're doing because you know i know of individuals that are in this mastermind group that are making you know multi-million dollar business work and they work like two mm. hours a day two hours a day like and or maybe even two hours a week because they have a coo and they have systems and processes and they have a team and they hire it all out and um that's where we want to be and so you know i think it's it's really important to kind of put yourself around the people that that you want to be like and start just, you know, gaining information and knowledge from them. Um, we also used um, kind of the guideline principles of a book called Traction. It's from a guy named Gino Wickman. And um, it's, uh, he uses what's called the entrepreneurial operating system. And it truly is, it's just a business system. And it's setting, um, you know, meetings and like ways to hold meetings and ways to do like scorecards for your team and setting like 10-year visions and five-year goals and one-year plans and laying all that out and then we break it down into quarterly events and we like set goals and we talk about it with our team and so it's an entire operating system and um, that has really really helped us tremendously um, you know find uh, efficiencies in our business and you know the goal is to work on the business not in the business and so mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're kind of trying to set up. So we have, you know, that full team in Wisconsin kind of doing the daily, daily operations. You know, we have, um, an acquisitions manager who's our realtor, a project manager, um, you know, uh, an admin transaction coordinator, a marketing manager. And so we kind of have all those departments, just like you would in the military, you have the departments and letting them run the show. And then we're kind of just the, you know, the COXO kind of looking Mm -hmm. over it all. How have you so. negotiated the partner relationship? Um, I, I imagine you've had to kind yeah. of get that clear. And, and you do that with your spouse, but now you've added another person who's both your responsible and accountable yeah. to. So how do you negotiate a partnership? It's funny. I, 
It's funny. I think I think my wife gets jealous of, of David and I sometimes because we we probably talk uh, as so much funny. or more than than uh, my spouse. So, uh, a good morning. <laughs> she'll laugh at that when she hears. Yeah, um, but uh, so again, you know, very intentional about uh, having conversations ahead of you know, kind of building out the business. You know, I mean, he was my best man in my wedding, and vice versa. Like he held my child at birth. You know, and. Um, you know, incredibly close. And so we had like some hard conversations uh, talking about like the business will never take over our friendship. You know, the business will never come before our families and kind of setting those guidelines uh, Mm -hmm. from day one. And, and for the two of us, we were pretty fortunate because uh, our, our personalities kind of, help each other out. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. You know, I had an engineering degree. I'm very, uh, you know, systems, mathematical, like love spreadsheets. You know, I'm, I'm the numbers guy, the, uh, the money guy. Um, and he was an English major and, you know, so he's, uh, he's very, um, outgoing. He loves to talk on the phone. He'll talk your ear off for hours about <laughs> nothing, you know? Um, and so He's very like uh, engaged with you know the operations side and talking to our contractors and our project manager and um, and I hate talking on the phone and I would much rather send a quick text or an email and then get right back to like looking mm-hmm. at spreadsheets right and so we we really kind of meshed when it came time to like creating that business and so our our personalities kind of automatically fell into role with what we needed in the business and he kind of took some stuff that he was good at and enjoyed doing it, and I took the other stuff and then we kind of laid everything out that what needed to be done in between and kind of started delegating that out um, to to our other team members and it's you know so far so good it's, it's worked out um, pretty well how for many us. ideas did you and he come up with for businesses before you sort of finalized on this idea it sort of sounded like you the how yeah, we're was always decided but the what came later yeah we're, we're still coming up with ideas <laughs> we're still we're, we're still uh coming up with ideas all the time and and um you know that uh, that same book uh, traction um talks about there being a, a visionary and then um an integrator mm-hmm. and and david is very much the visionary he always comes up with these like big grand ideas and i'm the integrator where it's like ah no let's just get to work mm-hmm. and take action right and i'm gonna get into the the nitty-gritty daily grind um, and so again, we kind of compliment each other in that. And, you know, I'll call him out when he has some stupid big vision idea and, um, vice versa, you know, he'll, he'll call me out when, when I need to get to work. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think, um, we, we wanted to be in real estate because we're passionate about it. Um, we like fixing houses. We like, um, all the ways that it can serve, um, you know, to just making a great place for someone to live. Uh, making a community better, making a neighborhood nicer, um, to the investment side of it, creating passive income and cash flow and financial freedom and building somebody's wealth and all of that in between. Um, and so, you know, we don't, we wanted to be in real estate, um, and it kind of just worked out to where we were wanting to add, um, you know, rental properties to our own portfolio. And, um, you know, we started telling people about it and they started asking if we could help them. And so it kind of just, turned into the business that we had um and we love it you know it's it's we love helping people and you know teaching along the way and teaching them about from the very basic steps of budgeting and just financial literacy to a a brand new you know young enlisted person um that isn't quite ready to buy a house yet but we kind of help them get there and that's that's just as much a part of our business uh plan it is to sell houses. Cool. I I wonder. So you know you were you were talking about um, the vision that you have of being able to the the flexibility uh, and freedom that you know running your own business can provide. Um, the irony is that you know you're talking also about getting up at four in the morning. Mm. Uh, you know, you're hustling, right? Right right now you are in the grind. You are not at the spot where you're working two hours a day. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people have the vision of the two hours a day, but they don't, they don't either accept the fact that you don't start there and aren't willing to, to put that in and then, you know, 
are surprised by the, the amount of work that's required to, to start a business. So I, I'm wondering, what have you learned along the way? That uh, What advice would you give to other veterans who are looking to become entrepreneurs themselves? Uh, like, what could you share with them that, that they should know before going into this this uh, this realm? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, um, you're right. Like, I, mm-hmm. I work a lot, um, but but I love it. And I love it because I have this big um, why. You know, I have this big purpose and it drives me every single day. Um, and I think if, if you don't have and figure out what your why is to drive you, um, it, it's not going to be worth it. And, and getting up at 4 a.m. to go do a job that you don't enjoy, that you're not passionate about, and have this big overarching mission, um, that's, that's where you need to start. You, know, you need to you know, go read that book, uh, Find Your Why by Simon Sinek and figure out what your why is and your purpose and mission and then back that by your daily grind and and honestly like i don't see it as work now because i love it and i love getting up at 4 a.m and working on my business and um you know to me it's it's getting to that to that end end state of 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 my why and um, it will probably change multiple times as we grow, um, and that's okay. Um, but uh, I think the the starting point is, you know, figuring that out. What's your why? <laughs> <laughs> um, so for for David and I, you know, this this um, business plan of giving ten percent of our profits away, um, we want to flip that. We would like to be giving ninety percent of our profits away. Um, and be able to, you know, live off of a decent salary to take care of our, our families, um, and really create a business that, that gives, we want to give a million dollars away a year. Um, and we want to be able to truly have an impact, um, because of the business that we generated, not only in just giving money to people, but, but, um, you know, being a thought leader, you know, we love having a podcast, uh, I've been fortunate enough to kind of speak at some events lately and just be that like leadership um, go-to person that can help and serve thousands of, of people. And, um, you know, that's that's really what we're passionate about is is the not not just like the, the nitty gritty of like flipping houses, but it's it's what can come out of that. Um, additionally. What we've really found has been really cool over these last two and a half years um, because we've kind of put the Christian and faith behind our business and that we talk about it openly, which is something you can't you can't really do in the military world. Um, we have found that it's become a ministry mm-hmm. for us. And um, we have had, you know, tons of phone calls, emails, text messages from investors that have partnered with us on deals and thank us for allowing them to find their Mm. faith again. Um, And um, you would never think that a real estate business would push somebody to, to find the Lord, but, but it has. Um, And this just whole idea of using uh, entrepreneurship and capitalism and business uh, to help people find their faith and, um, talk about you know Jesus Christ and um, that's been really cool for us um, so you know that's that really wasn't the intention at first but we've found that to come uh, to fruition it's been really really cool and we are we're also Christ followers and uh, it's interesting that maybe it wasn't your intention but it was always the intention right yeah <laughs> And then, then right. they discovered it and like, oh, okay, God, got it, got it. That so, was your plan all along. So I started, uh, Keith, when, when I think we were talking last, you said you were reading that book, uh, Three Mile Walk, and, and I bought that and I've started reading it myself. And uh, oh. um, it's, it's, it's been good. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of been, um, you know, back to the why. Uh, mm. we, are, we are looking at bigger type real estate deals, um, for opportunities to, to continue to serve. And, 
we love the idea of similar to what the Granby property is that you were talking about yeah. is, yeah. you know, finding something in Colorado to where we can bring people in and do, you know, leadership development conferences yeah. or seminars or, you know, have military families come and enjoy the outdoors or, you know, whatever that looks like. We haven't figured that out yet, but another opportunity to use business and real estate to yeah. to serve a bigger purpose. Yeah. And I, I think the beauty of this, you know, as, you, as you're talking, like uh, for veterans, for service members who are thinking that, that they want to go the entrepreneur route is, you know, as, as you talk about have your why, um, is understanding like, Yes, you know, making money is one a necessity. You got to pay the bills, and and you know, your people are looking for a a level or a standard of of uh, living. But but it's got to be bigger than that because money is is going to drive you for so long, right? And and if money is your sole like driving force, then unfortunately, like that. That'll lead you down some interesting paths that I, I don't think you really want to go, right? So um, having the why be bigger than money could actually, in most cases with Laura and I've seen, is like that leads to actually more money, right? And and not that that's even the, the desired outcome is just that like the the impact that you have, it's it's bigger. And so the, the resources behind it get bigger, you know, and, um, and that's that's 100%. been neat um, to see. Yeah, there's um, I don't know if you guys follow Dave Ramsey at all, but he's kind of big in the financial world, also kind of Christian faith based, and um, he he said something once that really kind of opened my eyes just to that same concept, and he talked about just living living with an open hand. You know, if if you freely give, then you have the same ability for things to come in, and more often than not, that that will happen, and it's not always in money you know it's not you don't expect the same amount of money to come back in it could be in in other venues you know um and we've truly found that to be be the case for us you know we've we've created so many new relationships just relationships and having um amazing conversations with people that never would have come into our life um if we wouldn't you know kind of have this Mm -hmm. in place so it's been really cool to see what if what if somebody wanted to get involved with storehouse 310 how would that how would that happen yeah um so we have a website it's storehouse 310 turnkey.com um you know they can go there they can click on the, the contact us page and that'll that'll get them to to david or myself um you know we ha- we love having phone conversations meaningful conversations with people you know we'll set up something on a calendar to have calls um you know we all have all the the, the different social media channels we have the in the Facebook page and the Instagram and the YouTube and all that kind of stuff. We also do have a, a podcast. It's called Filling the Storehouse, uh, Faith, Family, and Financial Freedom. Um, you know, we'd love for those that are interested uh, to take a listen to that. We will we'll and, put links uh, to all those on our site as yeah, well. Yeah, so. thanks. Yeah, Appreciate it. Is there anything that you would recommend somebody do, like uh, have a minimum amount of uh, mm. experience or, you know, information before they come to you, or is it kind of a one-stop shop? Um, you know, I, I think uh, having that initial conversation will, will give us a, a good idea of, of where they are and where they need to be. Um, you know, if if they're not ready to make an investment in a property, uh, you know, we're happy to guide them along the way, teach them, mentor, uh, give them recommendations on education, um, you know, because that's a big step. That's a big piece of it, too, is, is getting educated. You know, don't go blindly into uh, making some type of investment, you know, you gotta, you gotta be somewhat educated and kind of know what you're needing to look at first. Um, and again, kind of put yourself in the right, uh, group of people, you know, where you know that there can be some trust involved in it. So for sure. Yeah. Um, last thing for you, is there any, any advice you give for people planning to get out of the military at this point? Um, that uh, we haven't talked about already. Um, you know, I think uh, I think most importantly is is just kind of figure out ahead before getting out of the military. You know, kind of what what that looks like. You know, start start thinking about that earlier than um, you might think you need to. Uh, you know, I'm I'm you know two years out, and I was thinking about it five years ago, and honestly because. I'm nervous about it. Like we have a pretty good business in place and I'm still nervous about it. Um, and so I, you know, I would say 
the earlier the better to start planning it out and um, find find that purpose, find that mission. And you know, if you start that ahead of getting out, I think that would be uh, really set you up for success. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be making money. Like you could be doing a podcast or writing a blog or whatever that is. Like find that find that purpose. That's we have heard that advice quite a bit and we don't take it lightly it's because experienced people such as yourself you know either are on that trap on that road or or we're on it and realize why i started way too late like you know oh i'm gonna get out in about six months it's too late (laughs) um and 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 that's really good advice the other thing you said earlier that has also been a common theme is um networking the people who do know and uh, and do connect and lean on and reach out to um, and and sit at the seat of their expertise um, and 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 let that inform your decisions um, as well. Not not as not from a position of weakness, but as from a position of there's 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 more I need to know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've I think uh, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of like mastermind groups yeah. and, you know, uh, things like that. Um, I'm, I'm in two of them myself and it's, it's helped me tremendously. Yeah. Awesome. Stu, thanks for your time. I appreciate what you and Dave are doing. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, for yourselves, but, but for the communities that you're serving, um, and helping, we're excited to see where that goes for you guys. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Stu Grazier, learning more about Storehouse 310 Ventures. Make sure you check out their podcast, Filling the Storehouse. It is very good. It is excellent. And check out their website if you're interested in getting involved in any way. Their website is storehouse310turnkey.com. That's storehouse310turnkey.com. If you're interested in finding out more uh, and listening to some of our past episodes, Go to homeboundveteran.com. You can also find our podcasts anywhere you find your podcasts. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. iTunes, iHeartRadio. Enjoy, forward, like, and share. Absolutely. And until next time. Be be well. Be well. Woo, you beat me to it. (laughs) And own your journey.